Over the last eight weeks, we've been in this series called I Used to Think, But Now I Know. We've been looking at some ideas that some of us used to think about God, how God works, and because of circumstances and experiences, we now know different things. It's loosely based on a book called Love Does by Bob Goff. I know that if you've ever heard Bob Goff speak or read any of his books, you probably love him. This is the last week of the series, so if this is one of your first weeks here or haven't been here in a while, it might be like you're coming in at the end of a movie, but you can always go back and check out all of these messages online from our website. We actually have a podcast now on iTunes and Spotify. So if you want to listen to us throughout the week, or maybe maybe you have trouble falling asleep, you should just hit the subscribe button and it will automatically get downloaded onto your devices. Today we're talking about, I used to think that God didn't talk to me. Now I know that I have selective hearing. <laughs> For those of us who have kids, we've experienced selective hearing, haven't we? We ask them to clean up their rooms or come for dinner or brush their teeth, and they don't hear us. But we mention it to our spouse once in another room that we might be going out for ice cream, and that's what they hear, right? Today, we're not talking about listening to other people, but we want to talk about listening to God. Does God still talk to us? Maybe, maybe we read some of these Old Testament stories and we see Moses talking to God and we wonder, does that still happen? Now, if you don't call yourself a Christian here today, or you don't call yourself a Jesus follower, this, this might be something that you might be a little uneasy with. Maybe you don't want God to talk to you out loud, and I get that. I'm not too sure if I really want to hear God's audible voice either. I have a friend, and his dad hears God all the time. The, the, the most famous story of my friend's dad hearing God is when my friend was a teenager. My friend was volunteering at a camp outside of Ottawa, and his dad was across the country praying for him. And as he was praying, his dad heard something like, go and get your son. That's it. Now, I don't know if it was audible or not, but he had this feeling that he had to go and get his son. But there were a few problems. This dad is in BC, and his son is at a camp in Ontario that he's never been to. It's not like the son was downstairs in the house or just across the street. He was across the country, and all this father heard was, go and get him. And he felt it was God. So he got on a plane. He flew to Ontario, rented a car. He didn't even know where the camp was, figured out where the camp was, found the camp, walked into the first building he saw. It was late at night, like after curfew late, and just walked into the room and said his son's name. His son was there doing something that he shouldn't have been doing. Can you imagine being the son, doing something that you shouldn't be doing, and all of a sudden you hear your dad's voice who should be four provinces away? And all his dad said was, come with me. My friend immediately got up and got out of that situation. Sometimes I hear stories like that, and I want God to speak to me like that, th that clearly. I hear that and I think, God, why don't you speak to me like that? Now my Kids might not want that, but I, I, want, I, I want to be able to help people keep from making some bad decisions. Sometimes I think we get so worried about listening to God, we want to hear that voice and we want it to be a big ask. We want that voice to tell us to fly across the country and tell some, someone something and see something amazing happen and it would be a big thing. We want to, but we hear nothing big. We might jump to the conclusion that God just doesn't speak to us anymore. We're expecting to hear something big, but maybe we miss what he's saying because God tells us to do something small. That voice might be encouraging us to do something else, but we're looking for the big, but God starts with the small. I still believe that God speaks to us. Maybe we're listening what God has to say to us, or maybe we're looking for something big, and maybe God is just telling us to be faithful what 
he has given us. Jesus, he was such a great storyteller, and he has a story about this. When Jesus walked the earth, he lived in a very verbal generation. Most people couldn't read or write, so they passed down their teachings verbally through stories. Just like today, we'll pass down our stories to our kids, you know, through Instagram. You may want to delete some of those stories. You know, if it wasn't captured on Instagram, it didn't happen, right? In the first century, if something happened and there wasn't a story to pass it along, it it just wouldn't last. Jesus told his stories in these things that we call parables. When he would tell these parables, it was his way to explain how God was working in their world. It was his way for them to pass on the lessons that he wanted them to learn. Jesus took everyday things as examples, and he wrapped them into the story, and these people who heard them would get the lesson that Jesus was trying to get across. Jesus told a whole bunch of stories. He told stories about fathers and sons. He told stories about people. He told people about people that his audience did like. There were stories about sheep and goats and trees that wouldn't produce fruit. You need to know that in every one of these parables, there was a God figure in the story. And in the, in, if the audience looked hard enough, they were in the story too. That's why some of them got angry sometimes because Jesus wouldn't paint many of the religious people in good light. They, they would get upset. These stories were memorable. Sometimes these stories would take a twist that no one, no one saw coming. Sometimes they would hear it and quite not, they, they would not quite get it. I'm sure sometimes when Jesus started sharing a story, someone in the crowd would go home after and tell their friends and family, you should have heard Jesus' story today. It was so good. Don't ask me what it meant. But the religious leaders left ticked off, so it must have been good. These stories, these parables Jesus told would 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 be a reminder. They, they would remember them. These stories would help with the ultimate lesson that Jesus was trying to get them to learn. The bottom line of these stories was this. There was a God and he is involved in your lives. This is how he works. And he also wants a relationship with you. Today, we're going to read one of those stories that his disciples had a tough time understanding the first time around. Today, we're going to look at a parable that's found, it's found in the gospel, gospel of Mark. You can turn to Mark 4 now if you have your Bibles or you'd like to log on with your phones. Before we take, just before we take a look at this parable, let me give you a little background on Mark. Some think that Mark wrote this letter, but the stories that are in this book came from Peter. Now, Peter, he, he was one of Jesus' closest disciples. He, he saw Jesus on a day-to-day basis. He saw Jesus do all the miracles. He saw Jesus do everything that he did recorded. Peter started out as a fisherman, and many believed that he couldn't read or write. So to keep these amazing stories going and passed on from generation to generation, Peter sat down with Mark, and he told them for Mark, and Mark wrote them down. Mark wrote down this history that Peter witnessed. In most of these parables, there's a God character to show the ones listening what God does. There's also a you character to help people understand what they should or shouldn't do. In the first part of Mark, Chapter 4, we find Jesus speaking to the crowd by a lake, telling them this parable about a farmer planting seeds, and some of them landing in the wrong place, some of them landing in the right place. And then at the very end, Jesus says in Mark chapter 4, 12, anyone with ears to hear should listen and understand. I'm sure that there are those in the crowd saying, I have ears. I have no idea what he meant. I think that the disciples were feeling this because of what, the, what happens next in the chapter. Jesus had just taught a huge crowd. The whole neighborhood came out to hear him and after, with the disciple, in, in, in his disciples gathering, he, they were with him, and maybe somebody said, hey, Jesus, uh, great story, uh, but we don't get it. Then Jesus goes and tells the whole story again and explains it to his disciples. 
Let's read this story in Mark chapter 4, verse 13 together. Then Jesus said to them, Don't you understand this parable? How then will you understand any parable? Like I said before, sometimes even the ones closest to Jesus had, had trouble understanding what he had to say. Here's a great example of Jesus sharing a parable with the crowd. And then taking time to explain the story for his disciples, he makes it really simple for them. This not getting it sort of reminds me of grade 12 poetry, my, my grade 12 poetry experience. I never really got poetry. Someone read, would read a poem in class and it was about streams and deer. And then the teacher would ask, what are you taking away from this poem? Someone who was smarter than me would put up their hands and say something, well, that was a flawless and beautiful work. I also found it pious didactic. They really didn't say that. I don't even know what that means. <laughs> I just pulled descriptive po poem words off the internet. But whatever they said, the teacher nodded in agreement with them. I'm sitting there wondering, did I read the same poem? I heard the poem, and if they asked me that same question, I'd say something brilliant like, makes me feel like I'm outside. I'm, I'm glad Jesus is patient with his disciples because I can see myself in them. Verse 14, he goes on, and this is an important verse. Jesus says, the farmer sows the word. And I'm thinking, okay, Jesus, I get that. You're making really simple statements so we understand. You're telling us what farmers do. Then Jesus goes on to describe where some of the seeds that the farmer sows lands. Don't forget that in most of the parables, there's a you. Jesus is making it clear. The listener is the farmer in this story. You are the one with the seeds and you are the one that is distributing it. Verse 15, some people are like the seed along the path where the word is sown. As soon as they hear it, Satan comes and takes away the word that was sown in them. Jesus give, is giving them a planting lesson. Some seeds get stoned. I know that sometimes when my wife, Andrea, plants seeds in the garden, sometimes the birds come by and have a feast. Verse 16, it continues, others, like the seeds sown on rocky places, hear the word and once receive it with joy. But since they have no root, they only last a short time. When trouble or persecution comes because of the word, they quickly fall away. When I read this, I, I know that Jesus is talking about people and I get a feeling of disappointment. So much hope, so much potential. We could see it. There's joy. But Jesus says there's no root and then joy goes away. I know that roots are important. Roots are where plants get their nourishment. It's where they get oxygen, water, and nutrients. Roots are also where plants get anchored in a storm. A good root system will be able to find water during their dry season. But without a good root system, like Jesus says, these plants will only last a short time. Verse 18 says, Still others, like seeds sown among thorns, hear the word. But the worries of this life, the deceitfulness of wealth, and the desires for other things come in and choke the word, making it unfruitful. It's all been pretty bad news up to this point. Every seed we've seen planted hasn't produced much. We've had Satan stealing seeds, seeds falling in rocky places and not getting good roots. And now we see seeds in thorns. If I were one of the disciples, I might have given Jesus a little feedback. Jesus, why don't you give these farmers to, to plant seed in the, get them to plant seed in the right soil. Give them a little lesson on composting and getting fertilizer in there. How about a lesson on not wasting seeds? But if you're looking for good news, here it is. Verse 20, others, like seed sown in good soul, hear the word, accept it, and produce a crop, some 30, some 60, and some 100 times what was sown. And then Jesus goes off and tells another story about lamps. <laughs> the bottom line is this, some seed falls on bad soil where there is not much to show for, but it's worth the risk because if you could find good soil, the return is all worth it. 
So let's take a look how Jesus is connecting listening and the farmer sowing seeds. As I read this parable, I see a sort of recklessness with the farmer. He's not being very careful, is he? He's letting seed fall on the path, on rocks. It's almost like he's coming across that he's not a good judge of where the seeds should go. When I read this, I don't see Jesus making an example of the farmer wasting seed. I don't know if God wants us to worry about the soil or of what condition the soil is. I see a farmer and Jesus showing us that he's, he's releasing the seed that he's been given. This farmer distributes the seed without worrying about running out, without worrying about the soil. Now I've heard and read this story hundreds of times. What I haven't noticed is what Jesus doesn't say. He doesn't say, hey, be careful where you sow the word. Jesus doesn't tell him to stop wasting seed. He says, just take what's in your hand and distribute it. I think he knows that if we worry too much about the soil, we might think that no one is worthy of getting what's in our hands. Have you ever noticed that you tend to give away what you have an abundance of? My wife, Andrea, loves to garden. I remember a few summers ago, she grew these zucchinis that ended up being huge, and there were so many of them. There was no way we were going to eat them all. I was taking them to the office and giving them away. We were handing them out to neighbors. We were inviting people over and tricking them just so we could give them a zucchini. I'd be stopped at a red light, and if the person had their window open, it'd be my goal to throw one into their car. Now to think of it, I, I was involved with a lot of road rage uh, instances that summer. Maybe I shouldn't have done that. That was the summer of zucchini. It was going into everything, cake, soup, anything we, we heard we could put zucchini, we put it in. We had frozen sh shredded zucchini in the freezer for months. We probably would have given it away for Christmas if we could. But to be honest, when I was giving them away, I didn't care if people ate them. I just wanted to give them away and get them out of our house. I never asked them what they would do with the zucchini. We had an abundance. You know, we wouldn't have been that generous if Andrea only grew one. But in this story, we see an abundance of seeds. It's like the farmer has so many. He's hoping that they take root. He's hoping that something comes from the seed that he's sowing. But he knows that he isn't he's the one to make things grow. The farmer's job is to give away what's in his hands. So maybe for us to hear God's voice just means for us to start with the simplest request. The parable tells us the farmer sows seeds. Take what you have an abundance of and give it away. It looked like this farmer had an abundance of seed. Jesus says that's his job. Now I know a little bit, a little bit about seeds. Unless you plant them, they don't grow. They haven't come in these little envelopes from the nursery and they, they can stay in there for years and if they just stand there, nothing grows. You have to put them in the soil. What seed do you have in your hand? Listen to what God is telling the farmer. Seeds don't do anything unless you let them go. You might be thinking, God, I want to do big things for you. God says, sow the seed in your hand. I'll make them multiply. But these seeds are so small. We want a big crop. But for that to happen, we have to listen. Take a risk letting go of what's in your hands. If you're the farmer in the story, you are listening to what Jesus is saying. And it's not a huge ask. It's take the seed in your hand and sow it. There might be better soil, different soil. D different soil might give you a different return, but the worst return is allowing the seed to stay in your hand. Mark calls the seeds the word. This is the message of Jesus that people can understand. So what kind of words are you spreading around? What kind of message do you have an abundance of that people can understand? What's encouraging that might lead them to Jesus? They won't hear it unless you open up your hand and let it go. 
What small thing is Jesus encouraging you to give away that you have an abundance of? We're not to judge the soil. What are we to do? Plant the seed. Nowhere in the story are we to curse the soil for not bearing any fruit. The farmer sows the word. He sows the seed. Maybe we don't hear the things that God is asking us to do because we're missing out on the small things. Are we listening to God asking you to do the small things? What do you have an abundance of? Now, there's probably lots of things that we can talk about, but let's talk about two messages, two words, two encouragements that you can give to those around you, the people who might be hard soil or even good soil. Let's talk about two things. Let's talk about love. Let's talk about grace. I want to talk about these two because you can't run out of love or grace. So how, how can you take the love that God has granted you and give it away? Maybe it involves serving the single mom who lives next door. And you might be there and you're thinking, Troy, that's hard soil. You don't know about her. Her kids are... Jesus didn't get after the farmer for not taking a close look at the soil. Listen, take what you have an abundance of and give it away. Do you see your neighbor outside working on a project? Go and serve them. You might think, Troy, they don't need my help. Listen, take what's in your hand and give it away. Now, you can't run out of grace either, can you? Grace is more than just forgiving. It's about, it's about giving people the benefit of the doubt. It's looking for the best in people. Will we get burnt? Absolutely. But Jesus says, take what's in your hand and give it away. Grace says, I'm looking for the good in you. I'm looking for the need that you have. Love says, I'm looking for ways to connect in a real way with you. Listen, take the seed that's in your hand and give it away. No matter how small it is, sow it. You never know what it might grow into. Remember, it's not up to you to make it grow. Mark writes that all Jesus says about the seed and the farmer is that the farmer sows seed. Listen to what God is saying. Take what's in your hand and let it go. Let's pray. Father, I'm so grateful for this story today. God, I pray that we would have a great realization what we have in our hand, a great realization what we have an abundance of. And it might not even cost us anything. It, it, may, it may benefit us. It, it, there might be something for us, new relationships, new opportunities to serve and love others around you. So give us that opportunity this week. In Jesus' name, amen. In a moment, there's going to be a question pop up on your screen. I'd like you to take a minute and discuss it with those with you or think about it with yourself. The question is this. How are you going to sow the seeds of love and grace into the people around you this week? Let's not miss the little things that God asks us to do because we're too busy looking for the big things. Maybe you've been hearing the voice of God this whole time, but instead of him asking you to do something big, it's been something small and you've just ignored it. We're looking for that voice of God to call us across the country and save someone from a bad decision. And maybe God's just been telling you, you don't need to fly anywhere. You just need to take what's in your hand and sow it. Give it away. I love this story about this farmer just sowing seeds. He's not doing anything huge. He's, he's taking the small thing that he has an abundance of and just giving them away with, without question. So what does it look like for you this week? What would it look like for you to listen to what Jesus is telling this farmer in the story to do? What does it look like for you just to sow the seed in your possession? This week, would you give away love and grace to those who might not give it back? You know that you have seed just to give away and it's really up to God to make it grow. What if we stopped looking for the big things and just did the small things over and over? Listen to what God is saying. Take what's in your hand and let it go. Our doxology for this series we've, we've been, that we've been reading is from Hebrews chapter 13, verses 20 and 21. 
Now may the God of peace, who through the blood of the eternal covenant brought back from the dead our Lord Jesus, that great shepherd of the sheep, equip you with everything good for doing his will, and may he work in us what is pleasing to him through Jesus, through, through Jesus Christ, whom glory be forever and ever. Amen. Next week, we're starting a brand new series called Listen Like Jesus. Today, we talked what it looks like to listen to Jesus. Over the next few weeks, we're going to see how Jesus listened to those around him. It comes, comes from the fact that we live in a world where listening, really listening, has become a forgotten art. During the next few weeks, we're going to look, look at when Jesus ran into people in this world and how he really listened to them. I sure hope you come back next week. Have a great week and sow the seed in your hand.